To Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh. If you're, if this is your first time joining us, that is, uh, that, uh, that is my name. And uh, we are chatting about the Mandalorian season three, episode five today, with with our good friend Kirk on, on the podcast. We're currently down for repairs still. Our uh, our Escape Pod is still not working quite right, but next week we will be back with our original sound. Uh, we also got the Bad Batch season two, episode fifteen and sixteen, the finale to chat about. 40 years of Return of the Jedi, as well as five years for Solo. So much to go over today. Let's step into the escape pod and chat about Star Wars. Another happy landing. Alrighty, welcome back, Kirk. Hello, hello, it's good to be back. Good to be back. It'll be our last last pit stop before the escape pod is repaired. In the meantime, uh, we got the very unique and uh, less superior sound <laughs> going on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, but it's always good to chat Star Wars and week to week, we just kind of make do and, uh, you know, we make it happen. Make the magic happen. That's exactly right. You know, it's it's not a perfect escape pod. It's it's gone through uh, a couple of our ships have uh, you know exploded over the over the year, which means uh, it's got a few uh, wear and te- bit of wear and tear on there. But uh, you know, yeah, gotta make do. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we need to get uh, we need to get a recording of um, of uh, some sound effects playing in Galaxy's Edge and like the uh, the lineup when you go into the Millennium Falcon ride. They have like a you know just ship repair noises going on and stuff like that you know i feel like we need like a, a track like that kind of playing in the background <laughs> just i like, agree i'm gonna i'm gonna have to fly all the way from down under and and get back up there and uh, just specifically record those tracks just for like a, over a weekend and then fly back and be like yep i've got them <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> it's most welcome um yeah, uh, well, we have uh, we have a packed a packed schedule for for today because um, not only did we get to the halfway point of season three of Mandalorian, but uh, we also got the final two episodes of the Bad Batch season two, and um, uh, they were actually good. <laughs> they were actually good this week. I mean, uh, oh great! How crazy is that? <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like we go week to week because I, I you know I hate. I hate to bash on 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 a Star Wars show because you know like we're, like I'm a Star Wars fan. I don't want to hate Star Wars stories, but you know sometimes a lemon just comes along and you just gotta you just gotta say something about it, get it out of the system so it doesn't build up. I know. And- I, I know. I, I was feeling the same. Like last week after the episode, I'm like, ah, am I being too critical? Like, especially on the poor kid, like uh, uh, Vizsla's kid. I'm like, am I being too critical on this poor kid? Um, but I'm, I'm glad it's not just me. And like, yeah, both episodes, and we'll get into it, are, are definitely, definitely not lemons. That's for sure. 
I just got to say this. This year, it's kind of crazy to think about, but this year is the fifth anniversary of Solo. Can you believe five years ago, Solo came out? And uh, we're actually approaching the month of May, which is when when the movie first premiered. So we're, we're about to hit the fifth anniversary of Solo. I can't believe it's already been five years, but... It, um, yeah, that's insane. I remember yeah. going to... That was... I think apart from The Last Jedi, because I was overseas um, when The Force Awakens came out. So, and also for The Last Jedi, I wasn't able to see them, either of them on opening night. So I was really disappointed with that, but I saw Solo on an opening night and it was the emptiest opening night for a Star Wars movie that I'd seen. Not that I'd seen, um, I'd gone to other ones, but the only other one I went to was Rogue One, but it was so empty. And I still like, I loved it. And I only just recently watched it maybe two or three weeks ago. Yep. And uh, I still think it, it, it's fantastic. And it's so annoying, like reading up on some of the, uh, the criticisms of, of, the, uh, of why they think it didn't do too well, I guess. But I still think it's a great, it's a great movie. And I love Rogue One yeah. as well. So a uh, bit of a shame we didn't get some more of it, but I can't believe it's been five years already. Yeah, I know. It's like I, I'm not, I'm in the same boat as well. Like I I did I went in not expecting much, and then I walked out, kind of thinking to myself like that was better than I thought it would be, and uh, mm. I was quite surprised that it didn't do well financially. Um, you know, and I I'm kind of blanking on what the critics thought of it. I, I remember it not being terribly rated. Like I, I remember people enjoying it, uh, and uh, the general consensus was um you know like this movie didn't need to happen but it was better than people thought it was going to be and uh and then it left a lot of casual viewers very confused when darth maul shows up and it's like yeah you gotta watch you gotta watch clone wars um but yeah it, you know, it, it was cool though it was cool and uh you know it made sense to have the character in there from a canonisty point of view and um you know it's made for some good stories in the meantime i mean over the last five years, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of backfill story, which has resulted in kind of making that scene make more sense. I mean, we've had the completion of the Clone Wars finally in those five years, and Dryden Voss shows up in a hologram in that Clone Wars arc, the last four Clone Wars arc. Um, yeah, it's true. Seven. Yeah, so you know, there's been some connective tissue here and there, and uh, I feel like we're gonna get more and more as time goes by, but. Yeah, I, I remember when I went to go see the solo premieres at midnight and I went with my dad who's like, he he's watched the original three, obviously like, introduced me to Star Wars as well. And he also watched the prequels when they came out. But obviously he hasn't seen like all the Clone Wars and everything in between. So when we're watching it and then Darth Maul pops up at the at, like, at the end of the movie, like when we were talking, he's like, didn't that guy get cut in half? Why is he back? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, I'm assuming that's what a lot of other people were like uh, yeah. when when, yeah. when they saw him. But because um, they also, when that scene came up, they they played like the Jewel of Fates song as well, didn't they? Like just a very small little bit, like kind of running yeah. in the background. Maybe, maybe that maybe I'm not remembering right, but I remember there was also another little kind of like Easter egg in there that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was it was really well done. So I, you know, and to have Sam Witwer return as well for the. Uh, yeah. for, the, for the voice combined with Ray Park as the body again, like it was just so well executed and and um, you know thought of very very uh, very well. So uh, you yeah, know, looking was, back on it now, like looking back on it, I feel like that was they were going to do something else with Darth Maul 
on the on the big yeah. screen at least, not not in just the TV shows, which is I don't know. Yeah. Do, do we do we miss out? I don't know. I mean, like it's it's certainly possible. We we may have missed out on on, on something. Uh, there may have been bigger plans for that character. Uh, I know his his. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars Rebels. Uh, but you know, his death in in Rebels had been been a piece of canon for quite some time at that point already. I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, but it, you know, it's, it was the kind of thing. It's like you know, even though we've seen the end of a character's life story. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't tell more chapters of that arc in in stories that take place earlier on, right? And uh, you know that's the that's a hundred percent kind of the idea behind the prequels as a whole, and even Rogue One or Andor or anything. You know, it's like like what what what's you know a good story that we can tell with this character? Like even though people know what happens to them, you know, there's still story there that we can kind of you know, and it's like. Why not? Right. Like, I mean, that, like, that's what they do. That's what that's what uh, the whole idea of making a movie really is, is, you know, executing a story on screen that people can kind of enjoy. And like, so what if you know how this character's fate turns out? Right. Like, it, that's not got to be the 100 percent only reason why you're watching the movie in the first place. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, yeah. You know exactly, and and I think like the whole cast was like great. Like Alton, uh, I can't remember pronounce his last name, but en- Enrique and en- en- yeah or something. Yeah, yeah, Enrique, he, yeah, he 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 was fantastic. Donald Glover was awesome, um, and I, I think even Wood, like Woody Har- Harrelson and Amelia Clark yeah. were all like they're all fantastic and Am- amazing. Yeah. I know. And it's like, it was so fast paced and everything. It was like, it was honestly like an Indiana Jones movie, but in Star Wars, like it didn't kind of drop a miss a beat. Um, the only thing I thought was a little bit annoying and rewatching it again recently was when uh, Solo got his name, when the, the guard like looks at him, he's just like, uh, you're by yourself. So it's yeah. going to be Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, apart from that, I think it's great. Again, probably not near my top favorite star wars movies but it's right. definitely I, I don't have anything to like disagree with it or not like it um uh, in, in the end although i do remember and this is probably going off to on the marvel side of things but the main the, the kid villain at the end of the sh- solo movie is also one of the villains in uh, so she's not the villain technically but the, she's the villain in in one of the marvel movies i think it's like captain america like the yeah the, UTV yeah. show Falcon and the Winter Soldier yeah yeah that, that's right that's right and uh, it's a bit annoying when you see characters that look like her hair is like so striking and you can recognize it from everywhere so it kind of feels like the universe is almost kind of cross paths at least <laughs> she was um, in Willow yeah. as well she was in Willow yeah as, true true yeah. so um, yeah I mean obviously you can't just not use actors and everything it's not like Woody Harrelson in, in Solo is the same Woody Harrelson as you see in Cheers for instance um, so uh, yeah, yeah it's but still, it's a, it's a great movie. Although, actually, now that I think about it, I remember at the end, like they were raising money, like just like they were in Andor for the rebellion. So I wonder where all this money's going. <laughs> yeah, again, more more questions not answered because we didn't get anything else from it. But I think right. in the end, like they made the right decision on what they currently should be doing in terms of like movie release release dates and all that. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, Return of the Jedi also celebrates its 40th anniversary this year. Uh, 40 years ago, Return of the Jedi made its way into theaters and uh, blew people away with the death of Darth Vader and the Emperor and uh, second Death Star and uh, just a whole other, you know, like that trilogy coming to a coming to a close. I mean, 
uh, yeah, I would love to hear stories of just anyone who was around to, to kind of see that final chapter uh, come to theaters. And may maybe that was anyone's first experience in the movie theater, uh, seeing a Star Wars movie for the first time, uh, or, or perhaps even seeing any of the Star Wars movies in the theater for the first time. You know, like it's uh, it's a time in which I was not alive to, to witness, but uh, but yeah, 40 years, I mean, that's, that's quite a long time. So it joins the ranks of Empire and A New Hope before. I remember they celebrated the 40th anniversary for A New Hope uh, when I was at the celebration in 2017. And uh, here we are, I guess, you know, five five years later. Well, is it five years? I guess, you know, a couple years later. And, and now we're at the 40th anniversary for Jedi. So uh, everyone in London at Celebration in London is going to gonna have a chance to buy some 40th anniversary Return of the Jedi merch, some uh, shirts and sweaters and patches or whatever, um, and those are going to only be available this year. And I, I saw there's some actually some cool action figures that they're releasing as well from Hasbro, which they have like the 40th 40th like kind of badge on it and stuff. Like man, it's uh, what a time to be uh, be a collector. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, like obviously I didn't see it in the 80s because well, I didn't exist back then. But yeah. Return of the Jedi was always um, my favorite Star Wars films because, like, when Luke first ignited his green lightsaber, I remember yeah, watching it so when cool. I, was, when I was a kid. I was like, "What? That can yeah. exist!" Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's probably like I think uh, Empire: A New Hope is probably my favorite now, but um, it's still yeah, it still holds a very very special place in the whole story. I personally will say that I think I enjoy the special edition version a bit a bit more a bit more compared to the original. Mm -hmm. um, but I just can't imagine what it would have been like for audiences back then just to watch. Oh, yeah. Not even Return of the Jedi, but I, I guess like a conclusion for the whole thing. But any of the Star Wars, it's just like, we, we, I don't think you'll ever properly experience something like that again. Like actually right. witnessing uh, those type of special effects and the story being taken place in a, in a, in a way you wouldn't be able to imagine. Um, like yeah. it's it, it's just unbelievable, and the fact that I can just pop in these movies like on Blu-ray or watch them on Disney Plus, and they still hold up today, like ninety-nine percent of the way, is just yeah. it's just phenomenal. And uh, I think Return of the Jedi is like one of the best finales of of really any any trilogy out there. Oh, totally, yeah. You know, I, I you know, and it, that being said, like I mean, um, it, it's maybe I'm in a bit of a minority group here, but I actually like that one the best out of the original trilogy and um i think i don't know it's it's a number of things but it offers something that almost none of the other movies have really offered before because it was the first movie that we had to that we got to see the emperor in person right in the in, in a new hope he's just this elusive yeah. person and in the empire strikes back uh we're talking pre remastered like the original version of it wasn't in it wasn't Ian McDermott. It was it was somebody else. Uh, it was only the the recent remasters, the Blu-rays that finally kind of put Ian McDermott in the film uh, retroactively. And and so the sixth one was like Return of the Jedi. That was the staple, definitive Emperor Palpatine that we know and love today. The one that we see in the prequels, the one that we see in the Clone Wars, the one that we see in even the sequel trilogy now as well. And so that movie is definitive for kind of his first real solid appearance in the canon. Um, as well as Luke's green lightsaber that we associate with him of kind of becoming this Jedi that he's kind of set out to be. I love the whole father-son relationship, the, the duel that happens, the, the, the you know, in the Lego sets, they call it the, 
the, the final duel or the last duel or something. And uh, the music that kind of plays, you know, in 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 uh, synchronous, you know, with 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 that battle going on. And uh, we got to see a lot more Lando action. You know, you see Lando piloting the Falcon, which. Uh, you know, that was kind of cool to, to see, you know, Han hmm. kind of not being in his normal place and seeing him kind of like out of his normal environment in a new in a new way, uh, you know, leading ground troops, you know, as a general. And, um, and we had the iconic Slave Leia look. I mean, like that has <laughs> set that has set uh, like I, I, like within the geek nerdum circles, that is it alone just like a staple iconic thing like it's it's kind of elevated star wars i think that like solely contributed to like millions of people's like puberty like back in the days (laughs) over the last few generations like early early puberty yeah and it's it's just it's just done so much i don't know what on earth they were thinking like to do it that way um but i guess they had something in mind um but maybe maybe i think what jj wrote episode seven he probably took inspiration from the moment that he witnessed that which is where he gets kylo ren's line there has been an awakening <laughs> or so snoke that's says right. it sorry snoke says it but yeah. that's, that's right and then uh, and then uh, obviously uh, ryan johnson like he wanted to balance the playing field and, and put kylo ren like topless in the second movie yeah but, yeah no, you're so right. There's so many iconic Star Wars um, things people think about about Star Wars um, from episode uh, episode six or episode three, I guess, depending how mm-hmm. you look at it. Yeah. And uh, I just think uh, like the final battle and for, for some reason, every single time, and this is not the Yubnub version, but like the, the special edition version, I'm always like, you're always kind of brought to, not brought to tears, but it always gets very emotional when you watch like the ending where they all come together and there's a celebration and stuff because you really do feel like it's all come to the end and they've finally defeated the empire. And that's why I think Andor is so good because it makes the, the empire look so much worse. And when oh, they yeah. fall, it's even better. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely a very special, uh, very special movie and a very special celebration towards the end when it, when it all happens. And my two kind of notable things I, I just remembered was that I mean, when like Luke's fighting Vader, like towards the end, there are so many subtle references to Luke choosing whether or not he's going to go to the dark side. Like I remember how the shadow kind of casts over his face as, as the emperor, or I think it's maybe Vader is kind of like antagonize him and, and kind of trying to Mm -hmm. poke a knife at him as well. Um, compared to like when Luke like looks at his hand after he starts striking down at Vader, when he, when he falls down to the ground, like there's so many subtle things that make it so good and, and overlooked sometimes. And as a kid, you just, don't you just don't notice these things it's at a all. powerful story yeah like there's so many things you know you're totally right because because you know like years later you know here we are still talking about movies that we've seen a hundred times and it's like there's always something so uh kind of there's something grandiose about those those george lucas star wars movies that you know they just they just never get old like there's always something to kind of go back and talk about and and um themes and storylines that kind of translate into just real world things people can relate upon like today. I mean, like it's like that, that's a, that was a powerful message too. Like, like when he looks down, like what you're saying at is he cuts off Vader's hand and realizes that he's, you know, this, this machine. And it, like, you can almost like, it's not said in the movie, but you can almost like hear the echo of Obi-Wan's words. He's more machine than man in, in your head, like as you watch the scene and it's like, 
wow, that's, that's like, that's pretty cool stuff. But then also like, you know, we're looking at his own hand going like, if I, if I continue down this path, like this is what I'll become. And it kind of goes back to that vision that Luke has in the cave when he cuts off Vader's helmet and realizes it's his own face, you know, and it's like that, this is what, where the dark side can lead. And this is what, what, this is what Palpatine wants. If I do this, if I kill my father, I will become what he wants me to be. I think it's the moment that he really kind of becomes a Jedi is like when he gives that up. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, it's, and it's, and it's not all like, it's not all a happy ending. Like every single, or well, most movies are, are, especially heroic movies, are, including like episode, uh, like a new hope, like it's a happy ending in the end, but like right at the, right at the end, um, the thing that again sticks out to me is how at Vader's funeral, it's like, it's just Luke. No, no, not even, not even layers there. Like it's just him. And, and the guy that is like, you know, being like at, at the funeral, like v- v- Anakin's being, uh, I guess you could say cremated. Um, he's supposed to be the chosen one of the whole story. Like that's what the whole story is, is based around. And there he is at the end of his journey, at least for at the time it was, I guess, um, by himself, just with his, with his son. And like, they could have, they could have done a shot of like everyone kind of like, holding hands and being like, ah, oh, he was, he used to be a good guy, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of honest in the end. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, it is. It's a very honest feeling that you have when you watch that scene with Luke, just kind of, he's not sad. He's not crying. He's just kind of, he's just kind of like kind of lost in the moment a little bit, just kind of staring into the flames and uh, you know, it almost makes you think like what, what's going through his mind. Like, you know, because the last moments were a moment of forgiveness and, uh, you know, and I love those last words that he has you know, with Luke. It was so like well written and, uh, you know, a, a good redemption story is always a good one to good one to watch. But like it's it's very different, I think, when you kind of, and I think that, you know, I, I kind of tend to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely I give Rise of Skywalker a hard time. But I think my favorite p- part of that whole movie was definitely that moment that Kylo Ren comes to terms with himself and and sees Han Solo you know in front of him as if like and it wasn't done from a force ghost point of view it was all kind of in his head but uh like I love that scene so much I love that the, like what played out in that moment and uh and it was just like a it was just beautiful like on screen story you know and uh, I think that that was it was different enough and and a good for me to kind of like at least experienced something that was really like wholesome in a movie that overall I just didn't like that much. But mm. that moment, that moment sticks out as one of, one of the best moments I think in the whole sequel trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're referring to that scene from um, the Kylo Ren and, and Han Solo at the end, right? Like, yeah. Episode- yeah. yeah. And he, right. and he oh, says 100%. the same line. He says the same line that he's did in episode seven, which he ended up going through with killing him, but he says it in a, in a way now, and he says it differently. And it's now he's referring to, I don't know if I have the strength to go back. It's so, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, I I don't want to like, again, go into negativity, but like the rise of Skywalker, I have many negative feelings about it and not just because of the movie, but the, you know, the whole situation, but that scene there, I remember thinking in like in the theater and, and like leaving that, 
that um leaving the movie. I'm like, why on earth is that scene in that movie? Because it's so good. Yeah. And yeah. It almost yeah. it almost just brings it up as well. And I, okay, this is a, a bit of I just last night I just finished watching um um okay, this is spoilers for a completely unrelated franchise, but I had a free <laughs> movie ticket. I went to go watch Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, oh yeah, I saw that pretty, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. With, and everything and this is spoilers for dungeons and dragons i won't be explicit but there is a there is a death scene in the movie right and yeah. you know the characters look down and they're sad and everything and they say they're really cheesy like i'm gonna miss you so much type of you know type of yeah. scenes and death scenes are really hard to do like they're, they're not easy yeah especially when you're acting them but yeah that that scene in in uh um return of the jedi at the end it's like it's not it's not cliche at all and it's so it's so good even not even considering the rest of the clone wars and everything else that was added afterwards mm-hmm. just that scene there was like that's how you do a death scene yeah and i guess maybe the worst death scene of all time is probably like the end of like the dark knight rises like that one's not <laughs> that one's not ideal but right. like yeah yeah, it, it shows it shows how hard it is to do a death scene, and I think that's a good testament to how good the writing is in in the original trilogy in total. Yeah, it is. It is very good. It's not often that we get death scenes in Star Wars either. Like, I mean, you see a lot of people die, but you don't always get that very personal death scene, right? And the only one that kind of sticks out to me is is the death of Qui Gon, and that's a movie sure. which you kind of meet this character and watch him die all in the same movie, and but it's still it, it it's still so good, and um, that's a death scene that that to me it always it always uh, it always hits hard because like it, yeah. you know even to his last breath like this guy's dying wish is for Obi Wan to train the boy, and it's like how like how can you think of someone else right now like you are the most selfless human being possible that you would you know get stabbed and you're dying you you have like you know, 20 words left to say. And like, that's what you want. That's what your dying wishes like is to train this boy that, you know, and it, it makes that moment so much more sad knowing what is about to happen. And, uh, and I think that's why it hits so, so well, because like, you know, that this boy is going to become this, this monster that's going to kill everybody and have this terrible moment with Obi-Wan as well. And, uh, more yeah. than one now that we have the Kenobi show as well. But, um, but, but yeah, I think like, I think what, definitely contributes to a good death scene is a is a good story that comes before it uh but in star wars in star wars is sometimes the opposite sometimes a good death scene is also in relation to what you know is going to come after and Mm. and that's that's also really good storytelling yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting because a lot of people say, you know, Star Wars is for kids and even George Lucas says that as well. But and I do agree with that. I think these these death scenes really are a good way to illustrate how a lot of people, I guess, deal with death and as as morbid as it is and everything. But they've just done so well and it's because of the story too. Even in Return of the Jedi, the death scene of the, oh, what's the creature called? The Rancor. The yeah. death scene of the Rancor. Like, I don't think <laughs> yeah. The Rancor is like, Rancor Zuki, but he's so upset. He's so yeah. sad. And like he, he doesn't like, you know, fall down and start wailing and everything. And they didn't even skip past the scene. He just is just so upset. Yeah. And I think that like how someone would react if they're if they're like pet passed away or something. And it's just yeah. great. I don't yeah. know why I'm praising Return of the Jedi for all the good things it is for the, for its death no, scene. It's it's, but- it's good. Yeah. It's it's good. Um I think a bad Star Wars death scene is definitely uh 
the 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 Django Boba moment where Boba all he does is just kind of hold the helmet up to his face and then you just cut away and that's it. Uh, that 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 for me is always the, the, the helmet was just the head was going to pop out of the helmet and just like yeah. away. Yeah, I think yeah, that, it's 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 bad though because like even when it happens, like Boba's just off to the side, kind of looking like huh. Like, 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 what just happened? And uh, I don't know. It's never, it's never really uh, been that great. But uh, you know, uh, look, you know, you know what? There are so many good other scenes, like death scenes throughout, and just regular yeah. non-death scenes as well throughout the whole Star Wars franchise. So I think oh, you yeah. can give that one a pass for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you know, on a, on a touch while we wrap up this Return of the Jedi thing, a good uh, a good death scene is like when you see the Ewok battle happen all the Ewoks, they're like totally fine. You know, like you don't see any Ewok bodies anywhere. It's just stormtrooper bodies. And then there's that one scene where like an ATSD blows up a tree or something. And then there's an Ewok that goes like, ah! and it's kind of like, and it, it's so sad because like you get an Ewok going up to it, going like poking the body and he's like, and he's like, like, oh my gosh. Like, it's just, it's just, uh, it, it's hard. I'm like, man, I don't even know who this Ewok is, but like, that sucks. You know? I know. You know, you know yeah. what? When I when I watched that, I remember when I was a kid and I went and got myself, not because of that, but like I remember when I had myself a Build-A-Bear and yeah. every time I, because I remember watching that scene, it always made me feel they had so much more like emotion and like they had hearts and everything. And again, another great scene. <laughs> the poor Ewoks. Yeah. That's so, that's so yeah. good. Oh man, love Ewoks. <laughs> All right, May fourth is around the corner, and uh, anyone, anyone uh, with their hearts set on watching the premiere of Young Jedi Adventures, the animated show for uh, for the young the younglings out there, uh, the first episode or two will be out on uh, on May fourth. So uh, we got that looked forward to. Can't believe May fourth, Star Wars Day, almost exactly a month away, and. Um, you know, that's about all the news that we got as of uh, as of this episode. So I guess we should probably get into Mando now. It's been 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. That's right. <laughs> uh, Mandalorian, Season 3, Episode 4, Chapter 20. It's called The Pirate. Gorian Shard invades Navarro in retaliation for Vane's expulsion. Uh, the uh, the grief carga contacts Carson Tiva. Carson Tiva is the uh, X-wing pilot that we've known to be as uh, uh, well. He's also known as Kim's convenience, I believe. Uh, yeah. Suspecting that <laughs> suspecting that the attack is a prelude to a new rise of the Empire, Tiva informs one of his superiors. But when Colonel uh, uh, Tuttle shows indifference, he tracks down the Mandalorian covert and asks Din Djarin for help. Din Djarin convinces the Covert to come to Karga's aid despite their prior confrontations with him. Bo-Katan assumes command of the attack force. And as Mandalorians overcome the pirates, Vane flees and Shard is killed. The Mandalorians are welcomed back by Karga and the people, and the Covert moves to the town. Uh, they also uh, Karga also gives them a whole plot of land uh, just kind of somewhere on on uh, on Navarro uh, which is free real estate yeah free real free prime real estate right by the lava pits or something like that it's like all right cool uh, <laughs> the armorer meets with Bo-Katan acknowledging the mythosaur's reappearance as an omen that Bo-Katan is the one that can reunite all Mandalorians and bids her to remove her helmet to symbolize this new position on his way back to Adelphi 
uh, uh, Tiva encounters the wreckage of Moth Gideon's prison transport, which has gone missing during transit. He also finds a fragment of Beskar alloy kind of wedged in the ship somewhere, implying that Mandalorians could have been the ones to break Gideon out. Uh, So a lot actually happened in this episode, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm also kind of skipping over the fact that we got a live action appearance of Zeb Aurelios, (laughs) which is like, and he looks great. He's, oh, he's, he looks amazing. Know, yeah, he looks been, so good. He's been juicing. He looks good. He looks like, you know, in, in Rebels, how um he, he has like the yellow eyes with just like the hole in it. That's yeah. how it's kind of animated. I've yeah. always wondered how they were going to animate that. And I always thought that it was going to look really strange when they brought him to live action. But it was perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. I did have to I did have to search after the episode if that was him or if that was like just one of his species. But it was him. And yeah. <laughs> so good. I, I also saw that um, this was on a report somewhere, but Steve Bloom, the voice actor who who does Zeb from Star Wars Rebels, uh, did the motion capture for Zeb in the live action show. So he he was there. He wasn't just doing the voice. He was the real Zeb was uh, was there on set. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, which means yeah. Uh, someone else could be around the corner. I think oh, that yeah. earlier reference with the, with the whales in the I, uh, yeah, in, in the I think we could say something. I think so. I think I think we're, my hopes are high. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, man. Like I, I got to say, I am so thankful that they decided not to go with prosthetics for Zeb because I, I feel like we've had a conversation about. This may be in a previous podcast episode about animatronics and and kind of when the right time is to use them. And I feel like Zeb is one of those characters that done right is fully CG. You know, like he's just putting a costume on Zeb. Just it don't work. <laughs> he's uh, he's one of those one of those things. I think uh, one of those creatures that just benefits the best uh, with a CG face. You know, like you were saying with the eyes, like. It's just there's something more lifelike about mm. him being how he was portrayed in this. And, you know, it was a very short appearance. Uh, hopefully they haven't dug themselves a hole with that one because, you know, it does take a lot of money and work to to get that to happen for a couple scenes. But uh, if it's only one episode, a couple scenes, not no big deal. Uh, but, you know, if he's going to be a big part to play in a future episode of a season of some kind and any kind of show going forward, that could be a bit of a a bit of a bit of a wrench in a in a budget for sure but uh it's cool to see him back and i never expected they would bring him back because in rebels to me it felt like they kind of wrote him out of the story a little bit with the lasats finding a new planet for their species uh kind of beyond a lot of uh reach from from other people uh so i always thought like okay well he's going to be leading the lasats you know wherever they're going and uh to me, it just felt like a natural stopping point for his story. I never thought that they, he would rejoin the rebellion or rejoin, you know, the uh, the New Republic Navy, so to speak, or anything like that, right? But it it looks like he's operating a ship of his own now and working under uh, someone like Captain Tiva over here. So, uh, you know, it's it's kind of cool to see him back. I mean, even if it's, that's all we got, I'm happy. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, it was it was a really good cameo, and it, it wasn't um it wasn't over overdone either. Is he the same species as as um Cal Ketsis's master Jared DePaul? Is he the same yes. like alien? 
Yeah, he is. He is. Must be. Right. Because yeah. I, I, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, it, it's it's him. And then I realized, well, hang on a second. No, he's a uh, oh, spoilers. He's unavailable at the moment. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, because uh, I remember you used to say that you look at like the captions inside the, the show, like when you watch it. I, mm-hmm. I'm curious if it actually came up with. Um, Jeb or Zeb, right? Jeb. That's that's a good question. I, I I actually didn't get around to rewatching it this time around with captions, but uh, in the credits, it does say Zeb, Steve Blue. Zeb, Zeb. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay. So I mean, it's, it is. Uh, it was con- very well confirmed afterwards, even if it didn't have that in the captions. Obviously, yeah. Um, I was just curious. I was just curious if they if they kind of put it in there. Um, yeah, that's and, good. That's definitely a good question for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it was inter- it was interesting that um, Carson. I think the that's the the X wing fighter yeah. pilot's name. He didn't go. Oh, hey Zeb, how are you doing? He just didn't even say his name. So like, it kind right. of fueled that speculation at the start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that was that was a cool reveal. So I I love that part of the episode. Um, we had the uh, the death of Gory and Shard. I thought there would be a lot more to this pirate pirate story, but I guess it just goes to show. You let anyone get away in the Star Wars galaxy and, you know, it'll have repercussions. <laughs> so make sure you shoot first kind of thing. I think they even had yeah. a joke about that. They had a joke about that in the episode where I think Grief Karga says he shot first. <laughs> but like in actual fact, he didn't. But like they, you know, they definitely gunned him down cold blood. But, you know, it was. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that guy deserved to die. He was just like, no, let's keep firing and stay up there instead of retreating. So, you know yeah. what? It, despite, uh, um, despite you know, knockoff space Davy Jones uh, having a very short appearance in the whole show, I'm glad that uh, that he got what he's deserved. Yeah, because he just rocked yeah. up to a really nice town and then decided to destroy it. <laughs> so, yeah. Good riddance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that guy, that one guy, the one pirate got away still, right? Oh, true, true. Yes. The one yeah. that was like, oh, Mando's above you. Oh, he's below you. He's, oh, I don't know where he is. <laughs> Somehow he's always the last to survive and then he gets away. You know, he's like a slimy slimo. Slimy slimo, sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, Bo-Katan's helmet removal, that was interesting. I mean, um, now, now I think the... Uh, the, the the weight that her story has on on season three as well as maybe even a season four, uh, I like the fact that she's definitely more of a main character now, and there there's kind of like a there's definitely a mutual respect between her and and uh, Mando's Creed. I love the fact that they're starting to kind of go back a little bit, and and you know from the beginning of the show, I think a lot of people wondered. Like, why are all these Mandalorians not removing their helmet? Because in Clone Wars, they always remove their helmet. In fact, there were so many of them that didn't even have a Mandalorian suit because they were just a regular person. And it's like, well, what's going on here? You know, like, uh, so they made it they made it pretty, pretty apparent that like they were kind of a offshoot uh, subsidiary of of, I guess, the Death Watch or something like, you know, a group of people that lives by the old ways and does things the old ways. And uh, so that was kind of nice to get that, that difference there and that, that confirmation that they weren't quite the same, but at the same time, it's like, uh, like, how's this going to work going forward? You know, like, yeah, I'm so, I'm so confused with what the armorer's intention was there with why she wanted to take off the helmet. Is it, is it to yeah. prove that all the Mandalorians can be united to, despite what their creed is? Or it, yeah. I don't know, I, I, can't, I kind of am getting, and I think this is maybe 
the wrong look at it, but I'm kind of not trusting the armor at this stage. I feel like she's learned that the mythosaur exists and she, I don't know. She's not obviously working with Moff Gideon or anything like that. I think that's a bit too far of a stretch and there's, there's not many, uh, there's not many um, kind of ev- there's not much evidence to that, but I, I don't know. I'm a little bit suspicious about her, unless I'm just not reading it. I, right. I know, I know what you it. mean. Yeah, I, I, I know where you're. I know where you're coming from because the first time that Bo-Katan revealed to the armor that she saw the Mythosaur, she almost didn't really accept the fact that it was real. She kind of said like, "Oh yeah, a lot of people see things in the living waters," and like kind of left it at that. So I didn't think that that conversation would be revisited. So to me, I, I kind of think to myself like, "Well, did she go off on her own and?" get proof to herself that that there was that there is a mythosaur down there and then maybe now she kind of goes to Bo-Katan and says you know what she says in, in terms because it just there's something missing there right because like when Bo-Katan first told her she's like oh yeah yeah it's just an illusion you know people kind of see things but um but now she's approaching it as fact that if you saw a mythosaur maybe or maybe it may first of all maybe it is real but secondly like I've kind of reevaluated what I think about your vision and perhaps it means something more than, than I'm giving you credit. So, so, so yeah. to speak, you know, you know what I mean? So maybe, maybe the armor has kind of, kind of come to that kind of conclusion herself going like, well, if Bogotan is kind of the best of both worlds, you know, maybe, and she's had this vision of the mythosaur and, you know, maybe we have to trust that she knows the way back for, for our people. And, uh, you know, she does come from a Royal bloodline. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's not such a bad bet to assume that this person, you know, is somebody we can kind of trust our leadership with and allow her to break what we consider as law in favor of a greater good, which is reuniting all Mandalorians and like all people with all the different beliefs, right? Cause we're talking about yeah. a world, a world of people, that all have their own way of living life and not every Mandalorian is going to be one of the followers of the way um, as what we know it to be. So uh, I like that, you know, I like that because our, our own world is like that. Our own world is full of people with different beliefs and, and it's like, you know, it doesn't mean we can't be friends. Like, <laughs> you yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm glad, I'm glad this is up now because we're at the halfway point. And I remember last episode, I was really, is this episode four or episode five? I think this is episode four. Uh, uh, four, four. Yeah. yeah. So we still got four episodes left. And I remember last yeah. week's episode, not, not this one we're talking about right now, but I was really worried saying, where on earth are they going to go? And I remember we were debating if Moff Gideon was going to return. And although we haven't, got any def- definitive things just yet i i'm liking where the direction is going because there's a lot of questions that i don't know the answers to and a lot of don't know where everyone's coming from at the moment uh i think this this whole season right now is very much so not focused uh specifically yeah. on mando and grogu which is both good and bad i guess you could say um but i definitely feel it's it's building to something that I think there's kind of two stories here. It's building towards what is the Mandalorian creed and culture in general going to build to and how are they going to unite Mandalore again? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one side of the thing, which obviously has Bo-Katan in it, Mando in it, and the armor and, and everything there. Mm-hmm. And on the other, other side, I also feel like L- Lucasfilm or the story is kind of trying to paint the dots of 
including the Bad Batch, why and how did Palpatine return via cloning methods post this, the original yeah. trilogy? So yeah. the Bad Batch is hinting to it at the moment, and I think it's no mistake that they're running that season at the same time. They're all trying to figure mm-hmm. out how cloning works, as well as Doctor Pershing and 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 them trying to um, you know capture Grogu again through Moff Gideon. So I think everything is obviously connected that way. It's a very very loose connection, but yeah, I think uh, I think this is going to spawn off into some very uh, very interesting kind of stories and everything. And I really feel like yeah. season three is that kind of bridging gap between what comes next. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'll also correct myself. It is it is in fact episode five of season three. So we got so we got three uh, left. Right. I guess. Yeah. 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 Three, yeah. three left. Yeah. I, I thought I thought it was episode five. Look, three yeah, three left. Right. I wish we did have an extra one. Um, but you know what? I really hope uh, we uh, get get moving on uh, on these episodes because yeah uh, yeah we, we don't have many left and we're gonna have to wait another two years or maybe a year and a bit. Well, I think we're at the point now where we've run out of trailer footage to speculate on too. Like we're we're we burned through all the oh, all the yeah, uh, true. yeah. When the trailer came out for season three, all those TV spots. I think we've seen everything we've we've already kind of seen. So there's like three episodes now where we have just have no idea like what we're going right. to see. So that's kind of exciting so, as well. So they they didn't show like the Mace Windu returning of saving everybody at the end of uh, episode eight of the season. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but okay. yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 cool. I think I got to ask you though because we're seeing a lot more of uh, Carson Tiva now, and um, you know, obviously, I think it was a year or two ago that there was word uh, of of a show which we would have had on Disney Plus called. Um, Rangers of the New Republic. And since that announcement, the show has been shelved. And I don't know if it's officially been canceled still or if it's been shelved. I know I know the word shelved and canceled were both used at different points in time. But do you think that uh that we could see the return of that that show, maybe a re-announcement of that show, maybe even at Star Wars Celebration that's coming back? Uh, perhaps because it, it seems to me that a lot of this like Carson Tiva kind of, you know, really kind of investigating and making his case to his superiors, like the Colonel, Colonel Tuttle over there uh, saying like, Hey, the empire is coming back. Like if we don't do something about it in the outer rim, they will, they will uh, uh, come back. You know, they're going to, they're going to do something. They're going to, uh, you know, uh, what was it regroup somewhere and, 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 and come in swinging uh, again. And we're not going to see it coming because we don't have the manpower to, uh, to cover those areas. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, think, uh, these stories here are really trying to do what should have been done in the sequels as in like explain how the first order came to power. And mm-hmm. I think there is absolutely room for, cause there's also rogue squadron that was supposed to come out as well as Rangers yeah. of the new Republic. So I think there is room for a, um, non wizard wielding kind of, um, uh, re- rebellion story that involves fighter pilots and, and everything. Cause yeah. X wings and, and the rebellions like air force, I guess you could call it is a big part of, of how they, fight against the empire yeah um in in saying that uh i think there could be something coming up it's really interesting to see the internal kind of scuffles that carson has with the higher authorities at at the uh not the rebellion but the the new republic so yeah it is uh it is fascinating i think carson's a really good character um and i would like to see a little bit more of him as well as the uh 
involvement of the the new republic i guess but mm-hmm. i think i think as many there are too many projects long story short there are too many projects that have been shelved for them not to be considered in in the end that are related to you know uh fighter squadrons and everything yeah so, rogue squadron rogue squadron by patty jenkins as well yeah. yeah. I, I look as much as that project might be shelved or canceled or however you want to call it, I still think they are very much so kind of considering um a uh, a show like that to or a movie like that to come out. Imagine Top yeah. Gun, but like fighter yeah. pilots and Star Wars. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, and I, I, I think um I think you're right. Like I, I I wanna go back just a moment to what you said about the sequels because uh, you know, not to be transfixed on that, but I, I've always thought that where the prequels really stood out is the the spaciousness of how much like they gave those movies so much room to breathe within the continuity, right? So, you know, you have like 10 years between the first and second movie. That's a lot of time. And then now you've got like three years between the second and third film. And there's 19 years between the third and the fourth. So like with all these gaps, like that's where you can make more good stories to like tell those underlying uh, things that 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 need to matter uh, for, for the movies to kind of have more weight. And uh, I don't want to say make sense because the movie should stand on its own as, as a movie, but, um, but to almost have more juice to it, you know, it's like that seven season Clone Wars show uh, really makes episode three stand out a lot more than Mm. the way it used to. And, uh, I feel like you're right. Like it, 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 like episode seven could have benefited a lot by being a story about young Ben in training with Luke turning to the dark side, you know, new Republic investigating whispers of the empire returning from the outer regions, stuff like that. Right. You know, princess Leia now diplomat, uh, in the new Republic struggling with the, the, uh, the truth being revealed that her, her father was Darth Vader you know, taking that from the bloodline novel that was released, you know, cool stuff like that. They could have done a lot of awesome kind of like big scale story related stuff and not be transfixed on this repeat story of a rebellion versus an empire that just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad that they're, they're kind of, I'm, I'm happy that they're doing this. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that we're exploring this story that needed to happen. Uh, in these shows because now these shows have given it more time to breathe like Mandalorian is now taking place over the course of a couple of years um, as opposed to the first season which was like five years after Return of the Jedi this season is a couple of years later um, like we're kind of experiencing time go by slowly week to week as we watch these episodes uh, you know time is going by the Empire is returning Thrawn is out there, Moff Gideon's escaped, you know, like there's this sense that it's not just an empty galaxy with no empire in it Mm. is, you know, we're, we're getting these shards of, of, uh, of Imperial forces still out there, uh, fighting for whoever Moff or, you know, warlord that they're, that they're under who could be serving a greater villain out there somewhere. Um, and, uh, like you say, with the bad batch exploring the whole cloning thing, at least we're getting some connective tissue to that. So, um, it's, you know, it's, it's coming together, it's coming together. And, uh, and, you know, I, I appreciate all these stories for, for that purpose alone, you know, among others, but yeah, that's a great way to so look at it, it. It raises the question though. It's something that Liam Neeson said recently. 
do and I can I do disagree with Liam Neeson because um and I'll say so I'll tell you what he said recently um in, in just a bit but like I love watching Star Wars like the, it's the one thing that I always come back to no matter mm-hmm. how amazing or or bad it might be but Liam Neeson said that he doesn't even though even though he supported the Kenobi show he says that Star Wars is kind of best left untouched and not to tell these micro stories because it encourages more mystery and obviously from like Disney's perspective or any right-minded business's perspective that doesn't work because like you want to keep <laughs> making shows <laughs> and doing stuff and that's yeah. why I disagree with him because not only that but I love Star Wars and I want to see these stories yeah but how how minute do we go with these stories right. like do we do we go like um Babu Frick a Star Wars story like <laughs> like how, how how far do how far do we go and I still would like to see these stories play out and I think there's a lot more to be said. But I think uh, with these last remaining three episodes or two episodes of The Mandalorian, um, I think it's going to open up um, a whole world of stuff and we get Ahsoka at the end of this this year. Yeah. Yeah, There's plenty to look forward to and I think there's plenty of uh, unanswered questions that will begin to get answered and open up new questions and I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that's uh, that's that's our that's a wrap on Mando. Let's let's do some Pablos and Pudus, shall we? Uh, or Pablo points and Pablo Pudus. I got to come up with a better name. Uh, <laughs> I always say let's do some Pablo Pudus, but I also intend to say Pablo points, and I always miss that section. Uh, so for those, <laughs> for those just tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod, we have a very funny scale of how we rate Star Wars stuff. Uh, we have a scale of, it's basically a scale of seven, uh, three Pablo Pudus is the worst of the worst. Three Pablo points is the best of the best. Um, anything in between that is, um, good. And then not so good. However you're rating it. Uh, if you give it a middle, like a 50% score, that is a Bendu, the one in the middle. And, uh, let's just, just as an example, if, if, uh, if the best Star Wars movie out there happens to be Empire, that's a that's a three Pablo point. Uh, if the worst one out there is Last Jedi, that's a three Pablo Pudu. Uh, now, those are not my scores. I'm just giving those as an example for how this score system works. Um, but uh, we do this now with all of these episodes that have been coming out over the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of fun to uh, award Pudus when the time comes like... Uh, a bad batch episode that premiered only three weeks ago. <laughs> so um, let's do it, Kirk. You, 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 let's kick it off. What, what do you think this well, one deserves? Despite that being the third time you've explained it to me, I still don't get it, but I'm going to give it <laughs> this episode a two Pablo points. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. You know, I, um, I'm actually, I'm actually going to give it the same. Uh, I thought it was great. You know, I thought it had a lot to offer. We, uh, we I mean, not only, I mean, we, we just went over all the cool things about the episode. So like, yeah, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a two Pablo point. Um, I have like a, I have a scale of, of, um, well, even though it's a scale of, of seven, I guess, or, or uh, yeah, se- seven. Um, there's like a little thing that I kind of wrote up about like what makes a good episode. And uh, everyone's got their own opinion of like what makes a good Star Wars episode. But I kind of jotted down like five bullet points for like, you know, what contributes to 
kind of my 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 score at least. Uh, one of so f- out of the five points, it's uh, does it does it contribute or give depth to Star Wars lore? Does it have a good character development? So uh, uh, does it add to a good larger story arc? Does it connect with the audience? And does it have a good moral to it? Because uh, sometimes you get those episodes that have like a really good kind of deeper story that has a good moral to it, but it might not necessarily have good character development or connect to Star Wars lore, but it might have a good message. And that might contribute slightly to the score, right? So those are the kind of like the five, the five things that I uh, kind of wrote down, which weren't super conventional, like writing and directing and cinematography and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, because that's, like that. that's all. Yeah, I like I like that. And uh, yeah, actually, you just mentioned cinematography then because that's the one one of the things I love the most. This episode was honestly spot on. Like, oh, like yeah. there was yeah. very, very few scenes where I th- was like, oh, that is CGI right there. I think they're doing an uh, amazing job. Those wide shots and those wide battles are absolutely fantastic. And oh, yeah. uh, I really have felt immersed in the whole Star Wars, uh, uh, the old, the whole Star Wars world. So great job for yeah. whoever's working on this. And I think they're putting a lot of... Uh, uh, time, especially not not so much the scene on Coruscant. I think some of them have, have kind of left down, but at least this episode was like fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and that that's part of the reason why I leave those things out of the scale because, like, I mean, this one was a standout for sure. Uh, but they're always great. Like, they always do such a good job. Mm. I mean, uh, I mean, we, we we I don't say it enough, but the sound department on these shows, uh, David W. Collins and you know the the team at Skywalker Sound. Uh, always such a phenomenal job you know it gives so much life to an otherwise empty environment that you know it's 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 crazy how much work the sound guys do to make an episode like this feel alive Uh, especially in scenes where it's completely animated completely cg seeing ships fly through the air uh nothing's filmed you know they they don't film any of that it's all just animated there's no sound with it you know there's some dude Standing out on a train platform, trying with a microphone, wind blowing in his face, trying to get the sound bites, you know, which they have to modify hours later uh, into a cool engine noise or something like that. Like these guys do so much to make these uh, these amazing visuals come out and and just kind of feel like a real environment, a real place. Uh, so you know, it's it's amazing that uh, the cinematography, fantastic. You know, the lighting is amazing uh it, like you know we could go on forever about that kind of stuff and and every week on these shows they do a really really great job uh some of them are better than others but they're always really good you know what i mean so it's yeah, it's great it's, i've never been able to complain about it like even bad batch even that in that in bad batch like that pabu episode it was terrible like the, the episode the, it was like it was it was slow it was boring like i didn't like it it was a filler 100% filler and not in a good way but it looked great you know, it's like, it always looks amazing. <laughs> it's it, like, it all, it all looks great. And you know what? I even remember uh, reading a quote that Martin Scorsese said about that episode of the Bad Batch. And he said, this is cinema. So like, you know what? I think that's all just because of the, uh, <laughs> the cinematography there. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, Bad Batch. Let's, uh, let's start off with season two, episode 15, The Summit. Uh, in order to find out more about the science division's activities, the Bad Batch trails Dr. Hemlock to an imminent summit hosted by Tarkin on Iriadu, the gathering concerns establishing a network of total control over the galaxy, uh, in which the ASD's secret research in the Kaminoans' cloning technology 
is supposedly playing a critical role. Uh, as they sneak into the base where the summit is held, the Bad Batch discovers that Saw Gerrera has infiltrated the compound to assassinate the ensembled, the assembled Imperial top-level officers. The intruders are discovered and the alarm is raised, but Gerrera sets off explosives which disrupt the base's rail car that the Bad Batch must use to escape, leaving them stranded. That's what That was where the episode left off, and the, the following episode we'll talk about it in just a moment was uh, picks up the slack. But um, how did you like this kind of first entry to the arc? Yeah, it was uh, it was good. I, I I'm really growing a lot closer to these characters, and I I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like how it all kind of wrapped up this arc. Uh, I'm glad that it wasn't so uh, closed ended. I guess they yeah. really do kind of seem like a tight knit family and everything. And even though as much as like young kids can be really annoying in TV shows and um, I felt that at first, even we did with Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, it kind of, I'm like, damn, this is the end of the season already. I did, it wasn't even really a cliffhanger at all, but I feel like there's just so much I want to just sit down and cause I watched these last few episodes all back to back because I think last week I didn't get the chance to watch, uh, get, get caught up, but they're just great just to watch um, all, all together and, and kind of, you kind of feel like you're going on an adventure with them all the time. But I really yeah. enjoyed how uh, this arc came together. And again, it's supposed to be a, uh, I guess Star Wars supposed to be like a kid's show as they say, but there are some very non kid stuff suggested, uh, suggested here. Yeah, um, obviously it's not like graphically violent in it in any way, which I mean, I personally don't even really want to see that. I I like the more subtleties, but uh, yeah, some really good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I I I did love the fact that we got Tarkin in this episode on Iriadu, yes, which is so like, true. That was really cool. Um, Iriadu is um, Tarkin's home planet. Uh, that's 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 where he's from, I believe. Oh, no I'm kidding. Not- yeah, yeah. If I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, the most of the uh, uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Tarkin's family is is quite a uh, important family on Iriadu. They're they're very influential, wealthy, powerful people. Uh, so like that was uh, that was kind of cool to see him host uh, this meeting. Um, on his own turf. Uh, I don't know if that facility was necessarily his personally, but it's, it's interesting being such a high ranking Imperial officer to kind of see how the empire has developed on a world like his. And he would have had a lot to do with kind of the infrastructure there. So, uh, you know, the train, the the rail cars, uh, the, uh, the summit, you know, being the base on top of a mountaintop, like very, above the clouds and everything like very uh uh almost reminded me of uh, a very luxurious style you know Im- imperial imperial like bases and stuff tend to be very clunky looking very uh i don't want to like maybe like soviet style like concrete and big and like kind of uh daunting looking you know and this one actually had a bit of a architectural kind of style to it like a like a bit of like something to kind of look at and admire uh and i thought that was kind of a nice little tip of the hat to maybe tarkin's influence over that project 
And oh, um, for sure. I feel like uh, Tarkin's influence goes beyond what yeah. Vader's influence is in the end, especially like there was, yeah. I think there was some episodes in the Clone Wars where the Emperor really had to test what Tarkin's um, loyalty, where his loyalty lied. And obviously it wasn't with the Jedi at times too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, is def- it was definitely something that I noticed that, oh, this area definitely looks a lot, you know, more developed compared to other countries, not countries, or other planets that we've seen. And I guess if it's his home world, like, yeah, that'd make, that'd make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I do love the fact Krennic also made an appearance in this show. Um, or oh, Dolph- so true. I forgot about that. Yes. Di- director Krennic. Um, and, uh, you know, and Tarkin asked for a report on Project Stardust, which, as we know, is the Death Star project, um, and which won't be finished for another uh, 18, 17 years <laughs> from from then on. But Krennic is my favorite. Like new evil character that's been introduced in i don't know why maybe because he's australian i guess maybe yeah. not <laughs> but uh yeah he's uh he, ben mendelson plays such an awesome character and i love his outfit like the white cloak that he wears um yeah. as well it's, it's it's quite unique um but yeah his character is is fantastic and uh yeah i was like oh wow that's that's i didn't expect that uh and the project stardust as well hearing it back then it's so fascinating to to be like you're it almost felt like to me that I was listening in or eavesdropping on a meeting and I know all the answers to the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you just know that Project Stardust was uh, a bit of a failure in the end. Yeah. Uh, not for any particular reason. But yeah, good to see Krennic back. And I hope we see more of him. Surely we'll yeah. see him in Andor. Andor. He has to has to come back in Andor. It's, it's pretty surreal. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. I think that would be a great opportunity to bring him back. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like if you think back to the flashbacks of, of, um, Jin and, uh, hiding on, on her planet, when Saw Gerrera goes to, to save, uh, Jin and when Krennic shows up to take, uh, to take Galen or so away for his research, it's really, uh, I mean, if for anyone who hadn't read Rogue One, uh, Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, uh, that fills in a lot of a lot of gaps, but it makes me wonder because you know the more that we get characters like Saw Gerrera and and um, Krennic showing up in a show like The Bad Batch, the more I start to think maybe we'll get some crossover with stories out of novels like Catalyst or or flashback moments like in Rogue One. And uh, how far away is that flashback scene, right? Like from where The Bad Batch takes place, we know that he showed up with Death Troopers. So I don't know when when the first time maybe we'll see a, a death trooper in Bad Batch is, but uh, whenever that is, maybe that's when he he goes to. Um, I mean, I think they got to rough up Saw Gerrera a bit more before they <laughs> before they they pull a crossover like that. But uh, but yeah, it's cool to see it's cool to see stuff like that. Uh, also, yeah, continuing continuing the story of Saw Gerrera as well. It's another character that's kind of kind of interwoven through all these different Star Wars stories and. And to have him show up in Andor and and Bad Batch simultaneously, uh, kind of closing in his story a bit more, it's uh, it's great. You know, I love I love stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's good. And and how do they do it? Like, do, does Lucasfilm has like a big board at their thing, being like, this is all the characters <laughs> that are doing this at this time? Because if I was writing the story, I don't even think I would have thought about like bringing these like characters that. A big characters but yeah it's a lot of creativity involved and a lot very much so easier said than done when it comes to putting them into a story that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely yeah 
uh, story group, I think, plays a big part in keeping continuity uh, kind of, you know, in, in the spotlight sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things, I guess, like if they have room to do something with a character that no story's been told in this area yet, like, you know, let's do it. Right. Uh, if it doesn't break canon too, too hard. But it's not like we haven't seen that before, especially with uh, with Dave Filoni. He tends to he's done it a few times now where he's gone back and rewritten over a story that's been done in a novel or a comic book and played it up a little differently than how we've read about it before. But uh, still kind of on the rails in a bit. Uh, so it's like, uh, I don't know if it quite qualifies as breaking Ken, but in the minute details, yeah, it does. Uh, so, I mean, it is it is a hard thing to kind of keep consistent forever, but uh, I, they're doing the best they can. And, you know, yeah, the more stories the more stories you do, the more likely there'll be an error, yeah. I guess. But you know what? Yeah. As long as I uh, don't uh, don't talk to you, then I won't find out about it <laughs> because yeah. you're the one that usually picks up on them because they're so small. But you are absolutely yeah. you are absolutely right. Like uh, it's uh, it's good to see all these characters coming back, but understandable. Like if they choose not to in the end, because it yeah. can mess with the timeline, the sacred yeah. timeline, the sacred timeline. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, the bad batch. Oh wait, no, actually, let's give let's give this one some Pablo's and Pudus first before we move to the last episode. Um, what do you think this guy deserves? Um, I'm going to give this one a two Pudu. Oh, not two Pudu. Sorry, two Pablo. <laughs> Already, <laughs> I went two the wrong end of the scale. <laughs> <laughs> two yeah. Pablo points as well. Good episode. Two- um, but obviously, like uh, these last episodes would not be nearly as good if it didn't come for some of the good stuff that came before it. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's tough to rank this one um, because, of course, it 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 kind of relies on the the follow up episode being uh, the conclusion. So I'll 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 uh, I'll also kind of award it two Pablo points. I think it was uh, uh, more than good for sure in, in more than ways than one. Uh, you know, it was uh, maybe it was the fact that the last couple of weeks have not been too overwhelming. Uh, perhaps that's why it stands out, but. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was great. You know, I had very strong uh, theater, like cinematic vibes through all the shots, you know, especially when they have to board the rail train. I thought that was all super well done, um, like the camera angles and everything like that. I mean, that's that's a challenging thing to do in an environment where they're only working with digital cameras in a 3D scene like that. You know, like it, you put any of these Star Wars animated shows, even that episode that we watched, Pabu. Uh, you put any of these episodes up against any other cartoon on TV anywhere, and they don't even compare to like how nah, how well not. these shows are done. Yeah, so yeah, and they all look like illustrations, but they're just done in such a unique way. Uh, yeah, you, we could make like a whole podcast like series just praising what they do here. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I'll do two. I'll do two Pablo points as well. Yeah, Bet season two, episode sixteen, Plan ninety nine. With their rail car imperiled by Imperial attack, Tech sacrifices his life to enable his team's escape. Retreating to Ord Mantell to treat their injuries and come to terms with their loss, the Bad Batch is betrayed by Sid to Hemlock, who captures Hunter and Wrecker, forcing Omega to come out into the open. Echo and AZ-1 can rescue their comrades, but Omega is captured and brought to Mount Tantis, where she can enters, uh, encounters Nala Say and Crosshair. Emery Carr reveals herself to Omega as another clone. We find out Plan 99 is uh, also 
uh, a kind of code for sacrificing oneself for the greater good of the team. And um, this also pays tribute to the team's uh, squad number, which is Clone Force 99. So I, I love that. I love that this episode not only called Plan 99, but uh, this goes back a ways because I think Clone um, was it was it one of the Clone Wars episodes had a a, a defect clone, and his number was 99, and he was a janitor. Uh, at the Kaminoan facility on Camino uh, in Topoca City and and he died in the invasion of Camino back in season three of Star Wars The Clone Wars. I feel like it was. And uh, I thought Clone Force 99 calling himself Clone Force 99 was like a good homage, good tribute to that character. Um, having them self a plan that basically puts the team before themselves and calling that Plan 99 was also very well done because that's exactly what clone 99 does in the first place you know he he puts his brothers before himself and dies in the field of battle trying to get more ammunition for them uh and uh, as you know as they're kind of being pressed on you know uh, being fired upon uh in a bit of a tight area but um i thought that was really cool i thought that was really nice it it paid tribute very well and um, I really hope, and I say this with all the, the most respect for the story uh, and the character, but I really hope they don't bring tech back. Like, I, you know, I hope I yeah. hope that it was a genuine, a genuine death, a genuine sacrifice. It's almost like if they made a sequel to, or maybe they make a movie down the road and all of a sudden it turns out that Cassian Andor and Jin survived uh, in Rogue One. It's like that just wouldn't, wouldn't quite feel it's the so same. True. And it's, it's the so same. True. It's the same problem with 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 episodes with episode nine, right? Like with the Emperor back, it's like, well, on the one hand, that could be looked at as cool, but on the other hand, now episode six doesn't quite have the same gravity anymore. Because I feel like Andor makes episode four, five, and six so good, as I've said yeah. many times in the past for the reasons for it. But yeah, if they bring Tech back, even though Tech is not as huge character as Palpatine, obviously, and some of the other characters. Um, but yeah, I really don't hope they bring him back. I, I'm saying this a little bit negatively because I think they're going to just because we haven't seen the body and they didn't do a funeral and all that stuff. Yeah. And they just brought his glasses back because that's all they could find. So yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm already saying it with regret because I feel like they're going to bring him back anyway, which is so annoying and also so morbid. Because why would you want? <laughs> why would you want that? Um, but yeah, you, you want these characters to have a lasting kind of impact on on the on the show. And towards the end of the episode, you really do feel that these characters are defeated and just almost given up and broken because you know they've lost a teammate crosshair has obviously tried to reach out to them but they didn't they failed this episode like they failed yeah. big time nothing nothing worked if you think about it in the end um yeah the only thing that kind of worked was that omega finally got a few shots with her crossbow on target which is which is good um yeah. <laughs> but, but but yeah everything kind of went wrong and the episode didn't really end on a cliffhanger I guess it does, and we want to see what comes next. But it's not like, oh, I, you know. I, I, I guess Omega's yeah. been taken, and that's kind of the cliffhanger-ish, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's just like, oh, that's it. It kind of feels like a midway yeah. cliffhanger. So yeah, it, um, it does. It definitely feels like this could have been a three-part story, with the third being they rescue Omega, 
but it seems like they've definitely left that for a season three. And, uh, I, you know, we all saw it coming. Like, there's going to be season three, four, five, whatever. I mean, they're going to go with this. They're going to keep going with this show until until it's been run dry. But uh, I hope they don't take it too long. You know, I hope because we mm. like I think, you know, we were saying this earlier is like there was more fluff in this season than I feel like there was in the first season. And we need more seasons, but eight episodes yeah. a season with really good stories. I don't yeah. want to see going back to is it Pabu? No, not Pabu. I can't <laughs> Pabu. Yeah, yeah, Pabu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't want to see that. I don't want to see them like there was actually like a meme or something where it's just like, oh no, Omega's lost. And then like she says a bunch of bunch of things in like her New, New Zealand accent and then oh we'll, we'll go save her now because she was curious. I don't want any more of that. There's so much Star Wars content out there now that I want, you know, eight episodes a season, really good episodes and some good progression throughout, which in the end we did obviously get there, like, but it didn't have to take 16 episodes. And obviously this like show is for kids and stuff compared to Andor, which is more adult orientated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't, we don't need this many episodes. No, yeah, no, we, we really don't. I agree. I think the season could be shorter uh, or, you know, at the expense of, not having fluff episodes and it, it, like even if even if they have to have moments like that it's like did we really need a whole episode where they save a town from a tsunami like they, we know that they're doing good stuff out there but like how is this essential to the overall character arc how is this essential to the overall season story it's not like it's just it's just fluff and yeah. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with a fluff episode so long as it can pay off later and I don't think we'll ever see any benefit to having an episode like that. Yeah, 100%. And like, for example, the biggest um, fluff Mandalorian episode that people have commented on in season two was that episode two where his ship gets frozen in ice and he's trying to yeah. transport the frog lady. But yeah. in the end, like that that served a purpose. Like he, he traveled yeah. to another planet and uh, yeah, the story continued from there. So it, technically it was filler, but you know, it was still, yeah, it still contributed to the story. Yeah, and it, it was a hiccup on a larger quest, right? Like it's like the, you know, it's like the uh, the, the the problems, the roadblocks that happen in in a mission, which, you know, that those those kind of things come up, right? Like on a quest, it's not just boom, 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 it all went well. Uh, so like, yeah, it, lo- looking at the greater story, it played a it played a part, it played a chapter, and it's also the first episode that he really comes face to face with a character like Tiva and uh, Dave Filoni's X-Wing pilot's character as well. I forget the name of his character, but uh, that was the episode that they met and they got, they got him out of there. You know, they helped him out with the, the ship and stuff. So like, yeah. Filoni. Yeah. I believe. I don't know what his name was. But yeah. yeah. I mean, even from not even from like a, us as a watcher perspective or a viewer perspective, from like the people that are working so hard making these episodes, I feel like it's better if they concentrate their efforts on, you know, doing less but better quality. And if yep. it is going to be a filler episode, at least like have it not save people from the tsunami, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And like, if they have to take a week off where it's like, let's do a different story that's filler, whatever, maybe not make it filler, maybe make it about some complete different group of characters. And, you know, cause some of the best Clone Wars episodes don't have Ahsoka, Anakin and Obi-Wan in them, right? There's some really standout episodes, which have like 
maybe they're like focused on a set of bounty hunters or maybe they're focused on like Ventress or like, you know, like other other things going on other than just the main group of characters in the show. And Bad Batch is taking place during such an interesting time. Like I would, I would be okay watching an episode of Saw Gerrera doing what he does, like seeing what he's up to completely from start to finish. Right. Like, or, and we've had episodes with, with, with crosshair in it completely. Those have been some of the best episodes in the series. Uh, So like, I, you know, I, I strongly feel like these, filler episodes that they do could be better served with different character arcs altogether. Uh, like let's Absolutely. get a full, yeah. Like, like what's Rex doing? Like we saw, we saw Rex and, and echo go off on their own. I thought for sure we'd get an episode with them, you know, as an, just as an episode. Right. And, and yeah, we actually ne- this, we never got this episode. That. Yeah. This episode, they're just like, Oh, Rex is unavailable. And when I hear that, I'm just like, they, that's just an excuse. <laughs> like, yeah, they, like, like they, they really could have, they could have brought him back. And in the end, it's not it's not the 80s and the 90s anymore. We don't get one Star Wars thing every three years. So we don't want it as much as possible from like the yeah. one piece of content. We get it. We're getting so much now, which we're obviously very grateful for. So that means that we don't need 30,000 episodes where half the episodes there, you know, fishing and stuff. We, right. you know, it, it's good. It's good to get some, some good quality stuff, especially if we're getting so many, so much of it from different, tv shows yeah but in the end there are a lot of people out there that obviously do love watching every part of it no matter what it is and that that that's really good i just yeah. uh i don't got time sometimes <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody got time gonna, for that. <laughs> we're gonna watch dungeons and dragons instead <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no but you're you're right there's probably someone out there who Pabu was like their favorite episode and uh you know in that case i feel kind of bad that we're crapping all over it but <laughs> uh but you know george lucas's favorite clone wars arc is the arc where the droids are in nowhere like they're in that white desolate planet of a desert and they meet gregor the republic commando that story arc but the episode specifically where there's just the droids going from mirage to mirage finding their way around yeah they come across that skeleton of of jackson uh like like that's his favorite episode i was like dang like that is probably one of my least favorite episodes of the series and there's no disrespect for george but like it was just really, really boring. It was super slow. And um, maybe it's just my my idea of what makes a good story, you know, like fast, faster paced and a bit more interesting. But um, he loves those droids so much. And I think for him, it brings him back to his first movie. You know, he's standing out in the in the Dune Sea of Tatooine in Tunisia you know, filming Anthony Daniels and the scorching hot sun with this robot R2-D2 that probably didn't stand up very well on, on the sand and trying to figure out what he was doing in the middle of nowhere. And I think for him, it's, 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 it's uh, reflective, right. Uh, To watch a story like that on screen with characters who to him are quite relatable in a moment like that. Um, so for us, it might be boring, but for someone like him, it, 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 it's, it's the best thing in the show. Um, so maybe, I mean, call me crazy, but maybe there's a few people out there that Pabu is like the best of the best. Uh, maybe for them, yeah. it's three, three Pablo points and, you know, maybe it brings them back to a, 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 maybe perhaps a personal moment. Uh, maybe they've even experienced a tsunami. Maybe, you know, maybe that's, that's kind of, maybe that plays a part, which, which, in which, uh, 
you know, I, that's, that totally makes sense. But, um, you know, I, I, I do, I, I like, you know, coming from the standpoint of like, this story is taking place for a purpose within the Star Wars lore and continuity. To me, it just didn't really quite feel like it fit in very well with the rest of the the season. But yeah, but in, yeah, in, in the end, like this, these last two episodes were absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. they they if they stick with the decisions that they chose in terms of you know eliminating some characters and and how those stories came to be, um, that's good. And I also I was, I thought that scene right at the end with um uh with Oh my goodness! I'm forgetting everybody's names now. With Hunter and Rekka and um, is it and um, I can't remember the scientist's name. Where they storm the uh, the bar and um, the bartender. I've, I've forgotten her name, but she oh, Sid. gives them in. Sid, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank goodness! Like, thank goodness they actually showed her being, you know, showed her yeah. being bad. That that yeah. needed to happen, and that was that was really good that they happened, and uh, it was done quite well. Yeah, it also makes that episode earlier on in the season that we were. We're like, I actually kind of liked it. It was that it was a bit of fluff episode, but it was that episode where Tech um, wins this the that death race uh, for Sid's freedom, you know, from her uh, the her uh, what do you call it when you you know her debtors, you know, the person that she owed owed money to. That's uh, right. Yeah, and, and so like it was it was it was kind of made relevance, I guess, to what that guy gives them the warning for, which is like, hey, don't turn your back on Sid because you're going to regret it. And so like that, that was a big payoff and it made that episode better because of the moment that, uh, that you, that you mentioned. So, um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of stuff to like in these last two episodes and, uh, you know, it gives me hope for season three. Maybe, maybe we're going to get a little bit more, uh, substance in a season like that. Um, you know, now that we've kind of come to terms with the fact that this Mount Tantus plot line is not anywhere close to the end. Uh, we've only seen the beginning of the TK units and, uh, this, uh, this whole laboratory thing, whatever is going on there. And Omega's got a sister, like that's kind of crazy. So she's not the only female clone out there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's something big going on. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what that is. And, uh, maybe season three could be the conclusion to, to all of this. So. Yeah, we'll definitely see. And uh, I, I guess the one thing I didn't mention was again the whole season exploring the clone rights as well. Uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I guess it's something that never was. Uh, I mean, most of, most people think all stormtroopers are just clones. So it's good to it's good to know that uh, that uh, it was good to see all that play out too. Yeah, yeah, it's good to differentiate those those two groups for sure. Yeah. Um. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much that. Pretty much wraps up everything oh uh pablo points of produce um i'm gonna give this second part um two and a half pablo points uh i think i think the death of tech so long as it stays that way i will keep my score (laughs) uh i I, I like tech a lot and you know it's it it means a lot when they they get rid of a character that people love because you know it, it it does make it does make a moment like that um you know, a good, worthy moment on screen. If they bring it back, it'll only mean uh, it'll it'll just be. I'll just give that rant if it ever happens. 
Look, I I personally think that they will, as much as I don't want them to, just given all Star Wars stuff. You know, didn't show the body, didn't have a funeral, all that, all that juicy stuff. So I think I'm going to keep my uh, Pablo points at two as well because I feel like both the last episode for me and this one were pretty much like a a singular movie, I guess, like a like a good uh, long episode. Yeah. So yeah, I'll give I'll give both of them give both of them a two. Not that I I think that they're both kind of interconnected it was just like poetry they all they all rhyme as yeah. they say yeah yeah for sure <laughs> alright buddy well thanks so much for coming back on the, the podcast again and uh, coming aboard the escape pod our uh, our um, currently uh, salvaged um, piece of hunk of junk that we're we're flying around in these days we'll be we'll be back up and running next week and uh, off at light speed off to another another place um and uh, so yeah thanks again for coming back coming back on thank you for having me I am uh, looking forward to uh, getting back into some more comfortable seats you know <laughs> for new sure. escape pod soon <laughs> we'll, we'll have a dejaric table and everything <laughs> alright thank you all for tuning in to the show and uh, you know we highly recommend that you come back for Star Wars Celebration Weekend because we're going to be doing daily coverages I assume Uh, on all those things. I know Blake suggested an open mic, kind of a live chat going on in the Discord. So, uh, you know, we'll have all our uh, Escape Pod related stuff prepared by then. And uh, we're going to be back in action using the original sound that you're used to hearing. Uh, Our Escape Pod's been down for repairs for the last two weeks, but we'll be back. We will be back. And, you know, we have continuously put out more episodes despite the uh, tech issues and... uh, undergoing repairs <laughs> all right so um other than that we have a few episodes of mandalorian of course the bad batch after show is has come to a close until we get a third season and of course with um mandalorian i mean we only have about three episodes left and then we can get back to all the other star wars stuff that we chat about during the year character arc what happened episodes book reviews we're going to be talking about Jedi Survivor, and uh, I know we have a High Republic novel called The Fallen Star, which we need to talk, talk about as well, uh, so that we're going to be getting into that, and uh, so many more things to look forward to. So make sure you subscribe to Star Wars Escape Pod, hit that like button, and uh, make sure you share the show with a friend, because that always helps us out a lot. May the Force be with you guys. Big thank you again to Kirk for coming on, and every participant of Star Wars Escape Pod. We'll see you in the next episode. May the Force be with you. It's like...